0: Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Rome Floyd Chamber Small Business Spotlight. This is Rome Business Radio. We are broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune. I'm Roger Manus with Rome Business Radio. And I'm Thomas Kissel with the Rome Floyd Chamber. Hi, Thomas. Hey, how's it going? How are we doing? Good, good, good. You're all in your green as we record this on St. Patrick's Day.
1: St. Patrick's Day. You know, I always bring a quote, you know, and start with a quote today, okay? Okay. May you have all the happiness and luck that life can hold. And at the end of your rainbows, A, you find a pot of gold.
0: Wow, is that an original or did you steal that? from It's someone? original, but
1: you know, uh, it's it's with German background, not the not the Irish one. But you know, we still celebrate.
0: Oh yeah, well, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, right. Well, well, thank you for thank you for getting us off to a good start. Absolutely, we got a we've got a very. Diverse group of different businesses and entities in the in the studio today. Here, uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you please introduce our gang?
1: Sure, absolutely. Let's go ahead. Um, from my list on top, I have uh, Lou Coras Barbecue, and uh, we have Oatmeal here. <laughs> Everybody knows his Oatmeal Tony. She's one of the owners, right? Uh, Right next to me, ladies first, is Andy Frazier. She is a uh, Forbes book author uh, with the title Financially Free, and um, she also works for Clock Tower Wealth Management. Across from me, I have Bill Thornton. He's the owner of Thornton uh, Concrete Studio. And last but not least, uh, we have Andrew Riley here, owner, one of the owners of the ShopSicle. And, you know, all Fairly new members and an old time member, so uh, I think uh, Andy Frazier with her business has been there for many, many, many years. Um, Bill and Oatmeal, they signed up to the membership drive, still fairly new, less than a year. And the newest member of the chamber, Shopsickle, Andrew Riley. So welcome to the show.
0: Uh, hello, everybody. How are you? We're doing good. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's interesting a variety of different uh, tenures with with the chamber because uh, it was a very successful membership drive. Um, yeah, okay. Let's start with ladies first. First and foremost, oatmeal with Luke Horace Barbecue. Uh, let's just get the nickname out of the way. How, how did you get the name Oatmeal when you're in the barbecue business?
2: <laughs> so my real name is Oquista. Okista is my real name. And my grandmother, for whatever reason, could not pronounce Okista. So my mom said after she had me and she asked what the baby name was, my mom was like, it's Okista. And she said oatmeal is close enough. And from that day of being born, I've been oatmeal all my life. I, I can remember receiving my diploma of getting ready to... And he almost called me Oatmeal because that's what he knew me as. <laughs> so I've been Oatmeal all my life.
0: Uh, so it's interesting. Did it say Oquista on the diploma or did it say Oatmeal on the diploma? It actually said Oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. I was
2: concerned. I opened it. Did your funny. driver's
0: license say Yeah, does. yeah. Okay. That's my <laughs> Oh, I can honestly say you are the first and only Oatmeal I have ever met in my life. So nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, nice to meet you, too. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, about the barbecue place.
2: Well, we started out in a restaurant and we did that for about four or five years. And so we started out as my husband and I, my mom that's since gone to glory, and my aunt. So it was just four of us What the idea. Uh, my husband always been a barbecue man. I'm gonna be honest, I can't even start a fire. <laughs> but I can contribute on the size. So we started this this crazy idea. Let's open up a restaurant. Then a food truck presented itself. So we start okay get a food truck, see how it goes. So we have this little bit of food truck. Go to the health department. Health department say, you cannot pull the food truck and the smoker separately. So my husband is a fabricator by trade. So it's like, okay, let's just add it. So can you imagine the smoker is 4,000 pounds? So he had to turn the axle. It was a lot. All because we didn't know. We, right. we just had an idea. So after we finally got it going, a tree hit it. Okay. So then we, that's how we ended up with the new one. And so we, we started out with a 14 footer and now we fortunate enough and blessed enough to have a 26 footer that actually was all fabricated together. So Grady didn't have to add the smoker to this one. It was already, he just took the smoke off the other one and had it put on. So we do a, a very variety, like the barbecue side of it is his because I don't know what I'm doing there. And then the sides, all the southern side of it. Comes from my mom, my aunt, and I. So,
0: so it's it's a food truck that weddings, uh, you, you know, corporate events, you name it. You, you you just pull up and you're ready to go.
2: We pull up, let the wonders up, and we are ready to go.
1: <laughs> At the ribbon cutting, you told us a fun story about the name Lucoras. Do you yes. want to address that real quick?
2: The Lucor was. We were sitting there trying to figure out how we could incorporate both. Of us, um, uh, my husband and I, because I, I had this brilliant idea when we was first talking about it that I should just name it Oatmeal. So, of course, that wasn't <laughs> going to set well with him. He was like, mm, no, that's not going to work. So I said, uh, OK, well, you know, your trades come from he, his barbecue come from his family. His dad actually taught him how to barbecue. And so I was like, OK, my grandmother. So why don't we just do the grandmothers? His grandmother was Louise and my grandma was Cora. So that's how I came up with Lou Cora. And he was satisfied with that. So, so there's,
0: there's no silent partner named Lou Cora.
2: No, <laughs> but we are dressed that way. My husband is always addressed as Lou and I'm always addressed <laughs> as Cora.
0: Isn't it crazy how things work out that way? Yes. All right. Just kind of continuing around the room here to say hello to everybody and, and to get us rolling. Uh, let's say hello to uh, Andy Frazier from Clocktower Wealth Management. How are you?
3: I'm doing fantastic. Uh,
0: tell us a little bit. I, I did some Googling. You guys are uh, basically a family-started business to help people plan their lives financially because people don't know how to do that, do they? <laughs>
3: that's that's for sure. Um, so my dad was a Southern Baptist minister, and we I grew up in Rome, really, from like sixth grade on. He was a minister at Second Avenue Baptist Church for many years, authored a book on taxation for clergy and ministers and then found that so many people in his congregation and even in clergy were asking him about financial advice in addition to taxes. So in 1989, he left the ministry full-time and opened up um, the wealth management firm that we have. And we've gone under different names through the years. Peachtree Planning of Rome was our former name, but now our are Clock Tower Wealth Management. So that was 89. I joined him right out of college in 93. I took a different path. I've been in corporate Kind of the area of finance through the years. Been I live in New York, so I commute back and forth to Georgia two weeks out of the month. I'm here and two weeks I'm at home.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. So wow. I've, been,
3: I've been there since '98, and um, we'll probably be making my way back to Rome permanently once my son graduates. <laughs> He's a senior this year. So, um, but our wealth management firm has been around for a long time, and we really help people from cradle to grave handle their money and handle their finances. We work with individuals, families, business owners, and um, we've been in business now for, I don't know, 34 years, something like that.
0: Yeah, it, and it's never too early to start your financial planning. A lot of people don't think about it in their 20s or whatever, but it's, you need to get it going, don't you? Absolutely. Um, okay, um, let's now visit with the Sharpsicle, uh, Andrew Riley. Hi, Andrew. Hello. Tell us a little bit about you guys, your business.
4: Yeah, so we are a, what well, we, we actually are not called a coffee shop. We call a missionary outpost. Um, that was the whole idea behind it. Um, it's just people drink a lot of coffee. So when they come in and they see we serve coffee, we're automatically named a coffee <laughs> shop. But, uh, more than that, um, I'm a, I'm a minister. So I travel all over the world preaching the gospel and we have a, a work in India where we have 15 churches, um, and a, a crew on the ground there that helps run, um, My ministry, which is called Awaken Ministries, and we wanted a way to be able to sow into other missionaries um, as we moved on, and we just had this idea we felt was from God, and um, to open up a missionary outpost to where we would carry missionary goods. So um, like our coffee beans, uh, one of them is from uh, Mexico, and they actually have their own farm there. Um, the, the actual original people from Mexico, which is the Aztec and Indians, um, in the village areas there, they're the ones that actually work this and they can take it to market and sell it uh, in Mexico and they make little to nothing. But, um, because I'm friends with the the gentleman that's been in Mexico for over 20 years as a missionary living there, um, I'm able to buy that coffee from him at a much higher price bring it into America and because the going rate right around here is 15 to 16 dollars a bag. Um, I can sell it for that, make enough to cover, uh, the taxes and stuff that we have to pay. Um, and then send all that money back into the mission field so that they can better fund and better take care of these guys and not necessarily putting it in their hands, but putting things in their hands that they need Um because we found if we give them that money, then they immediately begin to modernize themselves and get cell phones and all this stuff, and and they don't even really need them out there where they're at because nobody else has them. So who are they calling? And so they're able to actually put things in their hands that they need: better water systems, uh, better housing, things like that. And and we carry a lot of other goods that we that we purchase from all over the world in different varieties and areas. But we always try to make sure that whatever we're purchasing that we carry in our shop is coming from a missionary type atmosphere. And then we carry books as well, um, and those are um, Bibles and uh, religious-based things, um, teachings on how to better get into to prayer and fasting and intimacy with Jesus and how to go deeper with Him and not just know about Him but to know Him. And where are you guys located? We are on Broad Street, 329 Broad Street, um, uh, in an old financial planning office. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so we're right next to the, uh, the, Havana, I think it's old Havana old Havana. Yeah. The cigar, the cigar shop. And, and so we're open, um, uh, Monday, Monday through Saturday from, uh, 7 a.m. To 6 p.m. And then we're the only coffee shop I'm told in town that's open up on Sunday, but we don't open up to after church. Uh, we're open up from 12 to four. Okay. And when did you open? Uh, I think we've been open for about 13 days. Yeah, uh, we opened on the first, and we and it's really crazy because we we didn't even know we were going to do this yet. It wasn't like we had six months, eight months, a year's worth of planning. I felt like God had spoke to me about two years ago that we were going to open up this missionary outpost, but I didn't know when. And so we were actually in South Texas, living on the border of Mexico, traveling back and forth with, with my uh, spiritual covering down there. And we were doing a lot of work in Mexico while in India, while traveling around the United States preaching. And we just felt led to move to Georgia. And so talked with my, my leadership about that, what it looked like. We felt like God spoke to us to come to Rome and, um, while we got here I just really felt like the Lord began to speak to me about getting a building for the sickle because we actually started off as just making bracelets. Um, and so as I would travel, I would carry these bracelets. We'd sell them for $5 as I was traveling, and we would put it all right back into making the bracelets because they would say things like beloved, so you know that you're his beloved. Things that would say pray, so it would remind you to pray. Stuff like that, faith, so you could be reminded to have faith things that would just remind you to stay in constant relationship with Jesus. And that's how it all started. And I felt the Lord say, get a building. And so I was just like, well, Lord, you're going to tell my wife that because you can't just say, hey, we're going to get a building. I need someone bigger than me to tell her what we're going to do. And within two weeks, she come to me and she said, as I've been praying, she said, I just can't get. The sickle off of my mind. And I said, what do you feel like Lord said? He's I, she said, I felt like he said, go for it. What are you waiting for? And so he told me to get a building. And so we looked at three buildings. The third one was it. Um, and we actually got the building, um, two months ago. And so within two months we've turned the building around, opened up, and now we have a full missionary outpost coffee shop. And we, one of the very unique things that we do that I brought with me today is this is gluten-free bread. Um, and so that's a big deal. We do a lot of low sugar, low carb. Um, this is actually banana blueberry that I brought for you all to try. Uh, and you can actually order a loaf and And it's a big deal for us because eating healthy is very important. And if you've ever had a lot of gluten, then you go off, you realize how heavy gluten makes you feel. And this is, uh, not just because my wife and one of our bakers make it, but this is the fluffiest <laughs> gluten-free bread I've ever had in my life. And it doesn't just fall apart. And for those that Try gluten-free snacks like most of the time they just fall apart. These actually stay together. So, wow, he brought food. <laughs>
0: I think that's the first time anybody's brought his food, Thomas. Yeah,
1: yeah. Is there oatmeal in it?
0: <laughs> no oatmeal. Oatmeal would have gluten. Uh, it's just one loaf. Can <laughs> well, some... <laughs> I don't eat
2: oatmeal. I see. A, I see a collapse. So yeah, I don't even eat it. Uh, it's a
0: bunch of slices. So <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Um, okay, uh, let's check in here with Bill Thornton. Thornton Concrete Studio. That's actually a fascinating name to me because I, so I googled you. Uh, but tell us a little bit about obviously what is a concrete studio.
5: Well, it's really a, a shop that makes uh, all kind of precast concrete stuff, and uh, I, the way I got studio on the name, the the kind of the first guy that started all the precast concrete countertops and polished concrete stuff that's real big now. Uh, was a guy out in California, and his name was Buddy Rhodes, and his his company was Buddy Rhodes Studio, and he he was kind of an artist and a architect kind of, but he he sort of invented it, and I, uh, I um, you know, I kind of studied what he was doing, and and so once I got to the point where I'm going to get in the business and start making you know concrete countertops and all kind of concrete furniture, I just. Through
0: that studio on there, just because <laughs> well, that was what he was he was doing. Well, it does. It's a, it's actually a great little uh, name because it gives the it gives the vibe of artistry. Yeah, and and that's what you want. You want to convey. So tell us a little bit. You mentioned countertops, but uh, what do people need and want, and what do, what are you what's your expertise? What do you create for folks?
5: Well, we we work with a lot of designer <clears throat> designers, architects, home builders, you know, and just homeowners and we we make any everything we make is custom so we make any kind of uh you know we do a lot of vanities we make sinks we make uh <clears throat> we make freestanding concrete furniture like great big concrete tables and all kind of anything that somebody anything that some crazy architect or designer can come up with we try to figure out a way to make it
1: i have a couple of thorntons in my house what do you have I have a kitchen countertop. We have a very funky color. It's yeah. awesome. I love it. And a custom-made um, vanity.
0: Okay, uh, now a bathroom, it's awesome. And, and so, how long have you been in business?
5: I've been doing this uh, probably about twenty, about twenty-one, twenty-two years.
0: Okay. And, uh, and what, what was your background?
5: Well, I was a I was a construction guy. I was a I was a home builder for a while, and then I was uh, well. I started out framing houses. So I was a carpenter, and then I got into – I was a builder and remodeling around Rome. And then I <clears throat> I got into this because of uh, Norm and Peg Airy. Uh, I don't know if you all know them, but Norm, I think, works at the newspaper. But uh, we were building a house for them up, on, uh, up in our merchie, and Peg showed up and said that she wanted to – it just had a little tiny, small kitchen. It was really kind of a cabin – and Peg said that uh, that she wanted to, to do some concrete countertops in this on this little small kitchen. And I said, well, I've never heard of that. I, don't, I said, <laughs> I don't think there's anybody around here that does concrete countertops. And she said, well, see if you can find somebody. So I asked around. Of course, there was, you know, this was 25 years ago. There was nobody that had, and I guess she had, I don't know how she had heard of them. Maybe she had seen something about it in the paper or something or a magazine. But anyway, she gave me some information about this buddy Rhodes guy and I started kind of looking into it. And, and so finally she said, well, why don't you just do it? See if you can do it yourself. So we had, uh, we had, had just bought a house that we were remodeling or about to move into. And I thought, well, I'm, I might, I was going to redo the kitchen. So I thought, well, I might try these concrete countertops in my own house. So I cast them on the front porch of the house and, uh put them in the kitchen. She came over and looked at them and liked them. And so then I did her kitchen and she told some, they were moving here from Atlanta. She had to, her architect or some people. She told quite a few people about it. And I had a architect that called me like just not long after I did hers and had a whole project on down on uh, in Decatur that he wanted to put concrete countertops and all these lofts. And so I got that job and just, got kind of got out of the building and remodeling and over into the concrete countertop business
0: over about a year and is everything custom do people come to you with ideas or do you have a storeroom that people can come look at and get ideas no it's just i don't i don't even really have a website it's just um (laughs) you know it's just your reputation word of
5: mouth and yeah and just you know I, i give i mean i send out samples to people and you know people come over to my shop and look at stuff that we're doing if they're wow
1: you have stuff in the condos in manhattan right people are well i
5: one of my um my my main customers is a is uh bradley usa which is a, a furniture de- designer manufacturer in atlanta and they they send we make all of their um concrete surfaces and we make a lot of uh, we make a lot of little concrete furniture stuff for them and they, they ship it all over the place. I mean, they, they, they send stuff to Cal, we, we deliver everything to their warehouse in Atlanta and, uh, and then they, they send it to, you know, New York. I mean, that we, we have, so you're big time. Well, (laughs) (laughs) sort of,
0: that's good to know. I'm big time in a tiny little uh, (laughs) pond of concrete, um, uh, oatmeal. I'm, I'm hungry. So if if I was gonna have lunch today, uh, what what's your specialty at Lucoras?
2: Ribs. <laughs> I um, figured. The ribs and macaroni. And about two weeks ago we launched a macaroni bite for the chamber and it was a big hit. Big so, hit. Yes. So you I say ribs, but <laughs> Thomas may say poor pork. Because I think he had full pork and I'm doing you know. uh,
1: It's Lent season, you know, and I gave up meat. So it's really mean right now. But there are some non meat options there, which is good. Like those
0: macaroni bites, they are awesome. You mentioned Lent. I've got to digress to tell a joke. Y'all know Tom Brady, the pro football quarterback that retired for 40 days and then came back. So basically, Tom Brady gave up football for Lent. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) it's it's, it's a little joke going around. Um, But you're you're so as a food truck, people can hire you for events as we as we touched on earlier. But do you have any regular stops, uh, regular locations and times? Uh, You mentioned you guys have a regular thing now out on Dean Street.
2: Yes. We're now we're at the old Piccadilly building. Uh, The guy has let us have that parking lot. Um, I don't know how long, but for right now. It's been a big hit. We're there on Saturdays. Just started out, tested to see how it will go. Hoping in the next month to go Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays over there. So Saturday, he usually opened up about 10, and we usually there from 10 to 4 on Saturdays. And then the River Remedy, um, the new brewery that's over on Glen Milner, I think. We've been there. We go there. Most of the time, we leave Saturday, Dean Street, and go straight to his spot. So that's been um, very, a blessing.
1: And you follow them on Facebook, so you know the know where, know where they pop right. up. Right.
2: <laughs> yes,
0: uh, which is when you when you got a hankering for barbecue, you know that's. Yes. <laughs> yes. um And Andy, you have written a book called Financially Free, but it's a little pun because you can kind of take out the middle there, and it's finally free. So with you know, just what, what was the what's the premise of the book? Uh, I saw that it's available on Amazon. So people, click it, order it right now, folks. Uh, Amazon bestseller. Uh, Good. So tell us a little bit about it.
3: So um, as I mentioned, I was in kind of the corporate area of finance for many years um, and then rejoined my father in private practice about a year and a half ago. But prior to that, I was kind of considered a CEO for hire. So I worked for a large insurance company, but my main job for the last seven years working with them was to run one of their subsidiaries. So I ran one of their financial technology companies for many years. And then once that, they had purchased that. So once we got that really operating well, I was able to turn that over and then launched a, another subsidiary on their behalf. And that subsidiary was focused on women and money. And so I was really the the face and the brand of the company getting that launched. And as part of that initiative, I felt like it was important to write a book. Um, and so the book is... Speaking a lot to women, but every man that's picked it up has found a lot of value in it. But the book is the book to read before you get in action. So it's before the how-to. It's really designed to have you think about your relationship to money, um, your beliefs about money, how they've influenced your decisions as an adult, and how they continue to influence your decisions. And then the second half of the book kind of gives you some highlighted areas that you should be focusing on, like love and money or unexpected and planned events and You know some of the basics there, so that was really the premise around writing the book. And I'm working on my second one now, which is about
1: families.
0: Okay, well we'll wait for that. April 12th,
1: Small Business Action Council meeting. Uh, Only is a guest speaker there, so um, we have the title uh, "Pivot the Financial." Yeah, plan uh, to pivot. We're going to plan to pivot. Yes. Uh, So, um, everybody, come to the chamber uh, eight thirty in the morning. So it's going to be fun. Fun. Uh, We're looking forward to it.
0: T- tell me, could you just give me a, expand a little bit? You mentioned it there, people's relationship to money. I imagine that's a very broad topic, but but what do, what do you mean by that?
3: Well, in many cases, we've all grown up hearing phrases about money. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. Money is the root of all evil. These, you know, phrases that we hear over time. And while those phrases may not be in your conscious mind every time you make a financial decision, they're still back there. Resonating. And what I find is that in childhood, people have a personal experience where they realize money means more than a medium of exchange. They were treated a certain way because they either had money or didn't have money. You know, something happened. They saw their parents go through something. Um, And so that event, that experience really kind of sits with them and really creates a money story, if you will, that they will carry on through childhood. Then they wake up as adults wondering why they're struggling with money or trying to figure out how to operate. And they don't realize that some of those childhood experiences really have created a money story. They aren't even aware of in many cases that have really defined their ability to be successful financially. So it's important to start there. It's also important to recognize when you're as a couple, both of you have a money story and, and it just really influences how you make decisions, how you stay consistent with those decisions over time and, and how you can reach your full financial potential.
0: So wait, money doesn't grow on trees? <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> that that would be very convenient if it did. Um, Andrew, uh, I'm intrigued by the name The Sharp Sickle. Where, where did you guys come up with that?
4: Uh, Revelation uh, 14 is where we come up with that, and it talks about Jesus coming back, and in his hand was The Sharp Sickle. And so he's coming back for the harvest. Uh, I, I, I assumed it was
0: biblical, but I guess I was a little ignorant to not be able to quote chapter and verse and book. So thank you for doing that. Uh, so what kind of, what kind of struggles have you guys had? You got launched so quickly, but at the core, it's a business. You need to get people in the, in the, in the, missionary outpost. So have you? what kind of things have, have been a problem for you as you get going? Or has it been Has it been
4: smooth sailing? It's been smooth. Good for you. Um, what we find is when we put our trust in God and we do what he asks us to do, we're in his will, things just seem to go uh, the way they're supposed to. It doesn't mean the enemy doesn't try to have his hand. We had a gentleman come in and tell us that this month was going to be a rough month for us. And of course, we just rebuked that and said, no, we don't agree with that. And then he went outside and did a little dance and he went on down his way and we see him about every couple of days and we're just loving on him and, uh, giving him free coffee and free drinks and just loving on him anyways. But I mean, uh, everything's been really, really smooth for us. Um, we, we started off with like 14 likers, likers on um, Instagram and uh, Facebook. We didn't even have a group and our realtor actually told us to start a Facebook page and, um, we, I think we're up to like 400 followers now on Instagram, uh, just in, since the first. And so things have been awesome. So you had no connection to Rome previously at all? None. I didn't even know there was a Rome. Where are you, where are you from? I'm from Kentucky originally. Okay. So uh, Western Kentucky.
0: Oh, and, and, uh, oh, that's it's funny. My, uh, I have a sister who went to Western Kentucky university and, okay. uh, Bowling Green. Um, but so tell us a little bit about your background
4: um, yes, I grew up, grew up, um, Southern Baptist, um, pastoring there, uh, and then just knew there had to be more, um, than, uh, what they were giving me. And so I began just to dig into the Word of God and, and going after what was available and what, what actually is the fullness of the gospel and what Jesus fully paid for and how we can be the righteousness of God. And, And that, that birthed me into a whole new level of relationship with him and seeing crazy things with my own eyes and and traveling all over the world and, um, moved to Orlando for, for a little bit, then moved out to East Texas, back to Kentucky to help out with some churches, South Carolina for a little bit. And then ultimately ended up down in South Texas on the border. And, um, we, we actually, like I said, we didn't even know that there was a Rome, Georgia and, um, was on a fast, uh, just come back from Mexico doing uh, about seven days, seven to ten days down there, and was on a seven day fast, and just really felt the Lord say, "Will you move to Georgia?" And I said, "Of course."
0: Wow! Uh, how about that story, Thomas? <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah. You don't care where the businesses come from, but um, that's an interesting because, um, like Bill, you from here? Yeah, I, born I, and raised, Murchie I'm, I'm and Rum Oatmeal
3: and raised moved here when I was in sixth grade, so I wasn't born here, but raised my husband's from
0: Rome right and uh but you just we were just a dot on a roadmap to yes, you Yes, sir and and here you are so th- this it's interesting to me also your story you know some people find their faith at various stages in in life, but this is this has been your calling since you were born it sounds like
4: just well i grew up grew up in a very, very rough um home, mom and dad separated when I was younger. Um, my, my, actually my grandpa was a bootlegger, um, one of the biggest in about five counties. And so I grew up hearing some very, very rough stories, um, about things that would go on. Um, but when I would go to my dad's, he lived five houses down from a church and it was a Baptist church. And so I had a lot of torment and turmoil going on because of the lifestyle that I was being raised up in. And, in the way that it was, but when I'd go to my dad's, I'd find sanctuary in that church, and I'd just walk down there, and I was there every time the doors were open and so uh from an early age, I was in love with Jesus, but no one was teaching me how to be free from the world and so I did like most people, and I'm back and forth in and out of sin, and I've got two masters, as the bible says i'm a I'm a slave to sin, but I'm also trying to love Jesus, and it doesn't go very well. And not not until I was about eighteen, nineteen years old did I really fully surrender my life to Jesus and start stepping, separating myself away from the things of the world and and that that law of sin on my life. And so that's really when it kind of took off for me. Well,
0: and that's interesting touching on what what some of um, Andy was saying. Um, obviously, money is required, but you use the you know the the money that flows through your business is is designed for charitable outreach and things like that. So how do you wrestle with that as a business person who's wanting the money to do good? Because technically doesn't the Bible teach that, we hear money is the root of all evil, but it's actually the love of money that That's is right. the root of all evil. And it's, it's all
4: kinds of evil, not all evil.
0: Yeah, okay, because
4: it's it's the greed, I mean, because money does great things. Money educates people and yes. feeds people and all that. So and what, what, what Paul's really talking about there even is he, he's saying anything that you place above God will bring about all kinds of evil in your life. Because it's, it's an idolatrous relationship that we step into. It's, it's when we have the love of something, we don't have the love of him because we've placed our love in that. So how do you how do you so that's
0: that's your attitude about you use the money for for, for good it is and others that's where they might make their mistake.
4: I, I believe so and uh once I started full-time ministry, um I actually never took a dime from my ministry. I hadn't taken pay from my ministry, any money that came in since we started it. This year is actually the first year that I've taken money because my board of directors told me, you need to pay yourself something. And so I set a real low number and started taking that. And we, I mean, for five years, um, it's just literally been people would just show up and they'll just hand me money and say, I felt like the Lord told me to give you this. And that is the way that we've paid our bills. That's the way that we fed ourselves is wow. by faith and faith alone. And so for us, we we've money is needed to make the kingdom go, but we've separated ourselves from the need of money because all we need is Jesus. And so when we did that, we found that he would send the money because we're not in need of it. We're in need of him. Well,
0: that, that, yeah, that's the point I was getting at how you separate and, yes. and how you view the, the money. Cause well, especially in any business as Thomas and I have discussed on the show many time and, Andy, you can touch on this and Bill and, and, and oatmeal. There's certainly entrepreneurial risk and uh like you work oatmeal oh, you worked at you have a full-time job I do. at at and this is a second side hustle yes <laughs> and so what kind of risk did you have personally financially to to start the barbecue thing cuz it's you're kind of rolling the dice
2: yes when we originally started um it was it made more sense for my husband to come out of his trade cuz we've been doing it now for about 14 15 years so I already had plenty of years in at the mill. I'm working on maybe 22 years in at the mill. So I had plenty of years in. So, you know, when we was trying to figure out what would make more sense um, for you to come out of your trade and let's kind of sink the money that we've made thus far into a business, but we still needed to stay afloat because when we started Lucora's, we hit a recession. I don't know if anybody remembered or not. And, <laughs> So, my retirement just got crashed, and so, in the middle of a recession, we have a restaurant that's that's not that great. The building was old, so we're trying to keep the plumbing, keep the customers cold and hot depending on the weather, and still be successful so it's like keep the meal and keep this afloat so for us, it just made more sense to do it that way than it did for me to be like, you know what? Barbecue is great now. Let me just stop working here, and we're just going to go full-fledged with barbecue. And granted, I have faith the size of a mustard seed, but I need chill kind of faith to do that. Because <laughs> I was like, just, it, it made sense at the time, uh, because it was very lucrative. It, you know, when we first had this idea, we had customers, and then, the stock market crashed.
0: Right, right. And you adjusted though. You you when you when you decided to go truck, that was an adjustment that has paid off.
2: No overhead. <laughs> right. The the, the 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 best thing that truck did for us was no overhead. There is no light bill. There is no. Now, granted, right. now <laughs> now the price the of gas, gas bill, is gone. Yeah. <laughs> granted, now there's a there's a diesel we have to fill, and there's a propane. So granted, but it's still. There's no rent. There's no. So, so for the most part, you cut the overhead out when you say, let's just pull a truck.
0: Bill, did you, you, you've been, you've been in business so long now. Was there, because I like talking about entrepreneurial risk because I, you know, people who start their own businesses, they take a risk, but were you in a position where it kind of was coming to you as you were exploring it? Because you said nobody was really doing what, and you just, you saw a gap in the marketplace.
5: Yeah. And what, I mean, there was, you know, there was so much interest in it and it had already kind of, it already kind of taken off in, you know, a lot of, in other places, like it was real big in California and probably New York and, you know, and, and, it, it, uh, there was no, but there was, there's one, one other guy in Atlanta who was, who was doing concrete countertops at the, when I started and he's, he's still around, but it, there's, and there may be, I think there's somebody in Chattanooga. There's a few people around that do it, but it's just a real weird specialty trade that there just aren't many people. And well, like, how many people do you have working for you? I, a, a lot of the well, when I first started, I really for probably about the first ten years, I probably had two guys and myself, and uh, you know, right now I have I have a probably four or five people full time, and then I have some part time people that uh, that that. Work with us but you're just constantly creating products, yeah we're just and, and a lot a lot of what we make has to be installed, so we have to go you know we have to take it to Atlanta or Blairsville or wherever and and put it in the house, you
0: know, gotcha all right um well let's kind of go around the room here to get some any final thoughts from anybody and definitely contact information so people can you know know how to. Uh, you know, connect with you, follow you on social media, your website, you know, or or can read your book, what have you. Um, so oatmeal, how can people? Um, uh, uh, they can come to the Piccadilly parking lot on Dean Street on Saturday mornings to see the truck. But how can they hire you? What else can they do to connect with you?
2: Facebook, social media nowadays is just the go to. It's it's easier if you type in Luke Horus Barbecue, you're going to find it. Or if you just can't remember the name, you can always type in Oatmeal. Because my husband is going to make sure that whatever he posts that week, he's going to tag me in it. So Luke Horus Barbecue, Twitter, Facebook, and if it's hard for you to remember the name, you can always go Oatmeal because it's going to be on my page.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh Andy, uh, with Clock Tower Wealth Management. Uh, how can people connect with you and come come plan their financial future better than they currently are doing? <laughs>
3: Well, like Oatmeal said, we have we're on Facebook too, Clock Tower Wealth Management. We also have Peachtree Tax Advisors, which is the tax side of our practice too. So follow us, like us on Facebook. Um, you can go to our website, ClocktowerWealthManagement.com. dot com. You can find me at ondefrazier dot com. That's A N D E F R A Z I E R dot com. Um, books on Amazon. Any major bookseller has my book there. Um, we're also on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, so one way or the other, you can find us there, or come visit us. We're right next to the clock tower, up on the big hill and the big peach pink building there. So you know, come on by and stop in and say hello.
0: Yeah, that's one thing when you ask people how they name their business. Uh, like I asked Bill about Studio and Sharp's Clock Tower Wealth Managed but kind of kind of figured out.
3: <laughs> yeah, we ha- we decided to change the name, and it was it kind of made sense since we're literally. <laughs> right there at clock jar. But if you don't mind, I'd like to touch on something that Andrew said that I thought was really important earlier. Um, You know, one of the things that I found when I was researching my book is how many times people think that their value is based on how much money they have or don't have. Right. And what I found to be really true. And Andrew really spoke so eloquently about it is, is that it's really your self worth and your value that really drives your financial potential and how much money you have. And so I really felt like that, you know, what he said about separating and segregating that out, that our value and our worth should not be measured on the amount of money that we have or don't have. It should be measured, you know, in terms of our own value and our own currency, if you will. And so I think that, you know, part of our mission is to help people be good stewards with their money. So it's by no accident that I think we were all here today. And me and Andrew are going to have to go see oatmeal and have some barbecue (laughs) and buy some concrete countertops and
2: bill.
0: (laughs) Uh, in fact, I think the blurb on your book talks about the, the, that relationship, uh, specifically from a woman's perspective of the, so the, so that's interesting as well. Okay. Um, Bill, you, you're the only person I think I know that does not have a website, but you said, <laughs> well, I, I do have an Instagram. <laughs> okay, good. So how can people connect with you or, or, uh, you know, find out more information about your concrete studio? Well, I'm, I'm,
5: I have an Instagram page and I'm, and my phone number is uh seven oh
0: six five oh six seven seven six nine. And the the uh Instagram page is Thornton Concrete Studio or yeah. Okay. Um Okay, Andrew uh, again, where's the sharp sickle located? Your hours? How can people follow you, connect with you, or any any final thoughts?
4: Yeah, we're on 329 Broad Street. Um, we're open Monday through Saturday from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Sunday from 12 to 4. Facebook, Instagram. Working on getting our website up. We do have the domain, just not up and going. Um, and the best way just just to come by Broad Street's. Uh, if you haven't been down to Broad in a while, there's all kinds of people down there, always walking around. Um, We have have lunch options and dinner options that are all gluten-free, so those that that can't uh, eat the gluten, you can come in. We have wraps and and boxes that are snack boxes and and, uh, all kinds of breads and cookies and just all kinds of stuff. You can get your drinks, peach teas. We do sweet tea, iced tea. Um, We do Italian sodas. It's not just coffee. We have so much more. Um, we and actually books, books. books yeah. lots of books um, and we have a, a gathering room as well that you can book for 50 bucks an hour, uh, 20 to 25 people probably can fit in there. So for staff meetings and that type of stuff, you can come and um, ministries. Um, we, we are giving that to them for free. So if they come in um, it's, it's free for you. All we ask is uh, if, if you feel like God tells you to give a donation, then, then to give a donation. And one of the big things I wanted to to talk about that the Lord really had me spoke to me about before we even opened was as I traveled all over preaching, I spent a lot of time with other pastors in America. Now internationally, you don't hear this as much, but I hear heard so many saying that Mondays were the roughest day of the week for them. And that's normally when pastors will take their so-called day off. And really that's just their break from people. And so the Lord really spoke to me and told me to do something called minister Monday, and so if you're a pastor um, in the area or, or abroad, and, and I don't mean ordained under some affiliation, if you come in and tell me you're a pastor and you can fill out a card, um, on Monday when you come in and bring that card in, you get a free drink every Monday. And that's going to just get you out of the house, get you back in public. And then also one of the biggest things, why why the missionary outpost exist is for community, connecting people that wouldn't normally connect, crossing denominational lines, and even that pastor that you don't like from 20 years ago that you haven't talked to and you're a pastor, maybe you'll run into him in our shop and we can help y'all reconcile that and get over those past hurts because life is not supposed to be lived that way. Fantastic. Thomas, final thoughts. We also
1: have the ribbon cutting coming up on Monday, important day. So um, at, at the Sharp Sharpsicle. Right. And business before hours are in the planning also um, at the Sharpsicle. But, you find all of uh, their information also uh, of our fantastic guests today um, at the chamber, of course, because they're all chamber member uh, members. So if there was maybe too much uh, information, um, just reach out, uh, ask for Thomas or if anybody else can help you. Who was at the podcast today? We are happy to connect you. That's our job. Um, and then you know what what I really get out of this this w- was one of the best uh podcast that we ever had i think uh, there was so much energy here and you know what what i see in everybody's eyes passion you know you gotta have passion and you know it's kind of like in, I, I love the stories you know how you f- found um you know your meaning in life your self-worth you know and uh if you kind of like reflect on that um you know just do what makes you happy you know and um you have self-worth and you know you you have uh, happiness in life and you know at the end of the day like we heard earlier you find a pot of gold
0: ah way to bring it back around thomas yeah. <laughs> thank you guys this has been great we appreciate your time you've been listening to the rome Floyd chamber small business spotlight i'm roger manis with rome business radio we broadcast from the hardy realty studios and we work in cooperation with the rome news tribune thank you so much for listening